0: Um, The word of God is going to be brought to us by three of our elders, um, Jim, John, and John. Um, That's really cool. J cubed. Um, And I'm really excited about this. Um, This is one of the times that you get to hear from uh, your elders, um, the men that have been called to, to be a part of leading us as a church and as a body. And so uh, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to have them come up on stage and uh, get ready. So go to the Lord Lord in prayer with me. Father, we are so thankful that you have placed each one of us in this room this morning and what it represents, that you have placed us to be a part of each other's lives as a community of, of people who love you, and who want to follow you, and who want to be a blessing to others. And so, Father, I pray that um, as we hear your word, that we would be filled up. That we would be filled up with your love and your kindness and your mercies that are new every morning. And that would change us. It would change us to be reflections of you in a city that is lost and dark in many areas. We pray that we would always be able to submit ourselves to the work that you want to do here in San Diego. And we pray for this city. We pray that that you would be working out your salvation here. That you would take what is dark and you would make it light. And if you would choose to use us, Father, which we humbly think you do, we ask that you would do so. And Father, may we taste and see your kingdom come all the days of our lives here in this place that we call home. And so now we turn our attention to your word. Again, may you fill us up with it. May you nourish the parts of us that need nourishing. May you reveal the parts of us that need revealing. May you encourage us the parts that need encouraging. And may it be for our good and for your glory, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Good
1: morning. Is this on? Can you hear me? Uh, thank you all for sitting still for this. Uh, it should be an interesting experience. Uh, the scripture today is from 2 Timothy. It's in your bulletin. And it's from 2 Timothy 2. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in the suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuit since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is a hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. And today, that last verse is really what we'll be concentrating mostly on. Uh, when Stephen came up with this cockamamie, I mean, bold plan, he suggested that we share what we think, or, uh, what we think about when we remember Christ risen from the dead. And uh, I had a friend of mine who heard I was going to be up here doing this, and she said, you're not just going to tell a bunch of stories, are you? So I'd like to start with a story. Uh, it takes place in the Middle Ages, back in Russia. In Russia, during Middle Age times, the Tsar was the top of the heap. And, and if there was ever an autocrat, it was him. He owned everything. He owned the fields, he owned the people, he owned the cattle. He was it. And uh, one day the Tsar was sitting there thinking, you know, I own all this stuff, but I just sit here in my gilded palace, and I wonder what all that stuff out there looks like. So he says, I want to go out and see my, my, my realm. And they loaded up his royal carriage and uh, drove him out in the countryside. And he's riding along, admiring the landscape, and he sees out in the distance in a muddy field a surf. And he says, what's that guy? Oh your, your highness, that's one of your serfs. He's out there working. Oh, I want to see one of my serfs." So they bring out this golden carpet and they lay it on the ground and they put the throne on it and they drag the serf out of the muddy field and throw him down in front of the czar sitting on his throne. And the serf is looking around and he falls to his knees and his face is on the ground and he's just trembling. And the Tsar says, what are you doing? What, why are you lying there like that? And the serf says, oh Lord, I fear you. And the Tsar takes his scepter and starts beating the serf. And he says, you're not supposed to fear me. You're supposed to love me. Uh, John John liked it. Uh, Sometimes I have to confess that I'm tempted to think about God and my relationship like that, that God's up there, and I'm down here. And sometimes it's safer for us to have that distance. And I feel that uh, he doesn't know what I'm going through. And I feel that he might be a little scary. Who knows? He might ask things from me that I can't give. He might ask things from me that I don't even understand. Uh, Bill McCurron, in one of his sermons, described God as a wild and woolly God. And sometimes you think maybe a little distance is a good thing. And that's kind of sad to admit that I feel that way at times, but I'm in pretty good company. The Bible's full of stories about people who felt the same way. Uh, the whole book of Job, Job loses everything, he loses his family, he loses his wealth, and on top of it all has friends come and sit down next to him and tell him how it's all his fault. And uh, Job, through most of that book, through almost 40 chapters, keeps saying, I want to see God and I want to have an explanation. I want to know why I'm going through this. I'm no worse than you guys. But when God shows up, Job falls to his knees and he says, I'm not good enough. He says, now that I actually see you, uh, I repent. I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. He wants distance from God. Isaiah once saw a vision of God in his glory. And his first response is, Woe to me, for I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, living amongst a people with unclean lips. And he, again, wants distance. He all of a sudden realizes he wants to be out of there. When our Lord Jesus walked this earth, one day he had a big crowd following him, and he wanted to uh, preach a sermon. And he asked Peter, Can I borrow your boat? sit offshore a little bit so I can I can address these people and he did and after his sermon he said to Peter throw the net in the water and let's catch some fish and Peter said I'm a fisherman I was fishing all night I didn't catch any fish I know this lake and I know fishing but if you want to okay he throws the net over he gets the biggest catch of his life to date what was his response All of a sudden, he realizes he's in the presence of God. He runs up to Jesus, falls on his knees and says, get away from me because I'm a sinful man. Right? Those three guys, uh, they weren't bad guys. They weren't doing things they weren't supposed to do. Job was a good guy. Isaiah was seeking God. Peter was already following Jesus and listening to his teachings. But all of them, when confronted with God, wanted to run away. There's a natural gulf. God's way up there, and we're way down here. And I think that's why Paul, in this passage, tells us to consider Christ. Consider Jesus Christ risen from the dead. In Philippians, Paul expands on that. And if I can find it, I'll read it to you. Uh, He says, in the book of Philippians, he's telling the Philippians they have a lot of stuff to do. They have to live out of their high calling. And then he points them to Christ, who, he says, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being bored in the likeness of men, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even on the cross. That's not just an example for us to follow, thank goodness, but it's a picture of what God is, right? Jesus is what we're supposed to think of when we think of God. Uh, Hebrews tells us that all the way through the Old Testament, God was revealing himself in dribs and drabs and spots here and there. But when Jesus came, we understood what God really was. God in Christ is the anti All right, He doesn't sit there high on a hill and come down and demand love from us. He came in our form. He came to be like one of us, to serve us, to save us. He doesn't demand our love. He comes and expresses it. So that's what uh, Paul's telling Timothy. All those things that, we're, that he's telling Timothy he has to do, he has to uh, be like a soldier, compete against the, according to the rules, share in suffering, uh, all that stuff. You can only do it because we realize we're serving a God who came to save us. And I know a lot of us are going through hard times and that God is asking us to do very difficult things. We have parents who are aging and ill. We're trying to raise kids. We're trying to raise kids with special needs. We're trying to raise kids who are sick. Uh, we We have frustrations at work. We have friends who let us down. We have friends who we've let down and now have to try to go through the wreckage. There's a lot of tough stuff out there. And sometimes we're tempted to think that if God was really caring about us, he'd wave a magic wand and make it all go away, make it all better. But that's not the kind of God we have. He wants us to go through it for our own benefit. And there are times when it doesn't make sense unless we remember Christ risen from the dead. Because then we realize we have a God who comes to save and not to condemn. John three talks uh, says that Jesus didn't come to condemn the world because the world was already condemned. He only came for one reason—to come and save his people. We sing a song here quite regularly, where the chorus goes, "He is stronger, He is stronger. Uh, sin is broken, He has saved me. It is written, He is risen." Jesus Christ is Lord of all. And this is ridiculously good news. Uh, the, 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 the God who came to save us is now in charge of everything. And even, time, even though we go through dark days, we know that in his heart he's come here to save and not, not to uh, chastise or punish us. So when I think of the risen Christ, that's what I think about, that God, at the heart of God, is his love for his people.
2: Um, Sorry, I'm a little bit nervous. Um, (laughs) All right, so um, over the last several weeks, we've been going through this series on leadership worth following, and um, we've been studying these examples that Paul has given us. In in verses 3 through 6, we learned about the the soldier who doesn't get entangled um, in civilian um, affairs but stays on mission. and we learned about the athlete who competes according to the rules for the prize. and we learned about the hard-working farmer. And you know I think about these images of the, the athlete and the soldier and the farmer, and you know, certain character traits kind of come to mind, you know when you th- think about sort of these, um, these people, and you know things like loyalty and commitment. And discipline and, and integrity, faith. Um, they, I think they also share. Uh, I'm not sure how there's a word to describe this, but it's a willingness to put in a lot of effort and hard work today, in the hope of an uncertain objective. You know, whether that's a successful mission, or it's the gold medal, or it's a harvest. You never know. Um, but these are folks who put in the work. For for this objective that they have, and um, these are really good character traits to have in general, um, and um, and as, as as we've been learning over the last several weeks, they're they're also pretty important for our own spiritual lives, and and it occurred to me that if I was Paul, if I was Timothy reading Paul's letter, I would be thinking in my head, you know, Paul this type of leader that you're describing sounds awesome and I would like sign up to follow this type of leader immediately. But I'm not this kind of leader. You know, that's not me. Um, I struggle to stay on mission. I Sometimes I don't want to live according to God's rules. Sometimes um, I don't like to work, much less work hard. <laughs> and um, I feel like maybe Paul was anticipating this reaction um, because when he tells his response or in the next verse in, in verse 8 Paul tells Timothy to remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead the offspring of David as preached in my gospel now this at first this kind of sounds like sort of a weird pep talk um But I think it's actually the best thing for Timothy to hear and the best thing for us to hear. Um, There's something about remembering Jesus that is powerful. And um, what I wanted to talk about was, so what exactly are we supposed to remember about Jesus? And how is that going to help me become a better leader? Um, So first, I think about Jesus being described as the offspring of David. And there's... A lot of meaning in those words Um, and just the one thing that occurred to me was that you know when David was king of Israel he defeated he did the hard work he defeated all of Israel's enemies and as a result after David died there was a period of peace where Israel enjoyed peace and Jesus likewise he came and defeated our spiritual enemies sin and separation from God And as a result, we get to enjoy peace with God forever, not just for a period of time. And then I think about Jesus risen from the dead. Um, And again, there's so much meaning in that. Um, And just a few verses from Paul's other writings, um, I think, kind of give light to to what maybe Paul had in mind. Um, In 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul says that, Therefore if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation the old has passed away behold the new has come and in galatians 2:20 he says i have been crucified with christ it is no longer i who live but christ who lives in me and the life i now live in the flesh i live by faith in the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me and then the last one ephesians 2:10 he says for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Um, taking these verses together, you know what I thought about was that I think what Paul is saying is that even though we might struggle with staying on mission, even though we might not want to obey God's rules all the time, even though we don't like working hard, that is not who we are anymore. That is not our identity. Um, My old self and your old self have been crucified with Christ, and we are new creations created for good works that God has prepared for us. And so remembering this, um, I think, should encourage us and strengthen us to to grow and to become the types of leaders that God wants us to be, that he created us to be. And finally, when I remember Jesus, I remember that God loved us so much that he sent Jesus to save us. And so in a way, we are the mission that Jesus was enlisted for. We are the prize that he competed for according to God's rules. And we are the harvest that he worked very hard for. And this idea, I feel like remembering that, this practice of remembering, is is really important. It's powerful. Um, you know, the we have holidays. Um, we just had Memorial Day last week. We have monuments and things all over the country, and all these things they're meant to remind us of certain things about who we are, our values, where we come from. And I feel like, in the same way, when Paul tells Timothy to remember Jesus Christ, he's telling him something, to remember who you are in Christ. And, um, yeah, that, that, that Jesus has redeemed all of us from slavery to sin and death. And that we are a new creation. And that in Christ, we are a leader worth following um, so that's it
3: uh before i came up here my son told me are you uh are you the reliever and i said yep and he goes are you one two or three i go i'm 3 and he goes, Well, you better be um, uh, Hoffman, the Padres extra lever, because when he came in, they would play Hell's Bells and it was all alive. <laughs> he said, You better not be Mario Ravana because he came in with the Sandman. He was putting people to sleep. <laughs> I had to get it off my mind, Matt. Um, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. Let me ask you something. How far back can you remember in your childhood? Can you remember how old you were? Who you were with? Some of the circumstances? Um, I knew I was going to ask you this question, so I'm going to tell you what I remembered. I think I was four or five. I was with my brother Bobby we were in a canyon throwing rocks, and there was a lady at the top of the canyon yelling at us, stop throwing rocks. And so little Bobby and Johnny, we did what we usually did at that age, we kept throwing rocks. Well, she eventually came down in the canyon and got us, and she drug us to my grandmother's house, who we were living with, and she's got little Bobby by one ear, and she's got Johnny by the other ear, and she's knocking on the door with her foot. And uh, my grandmother opens the door and just flies at this lady. And says, get your hands off my beautiful angelic grandchildren and never come back. And slams the door on her face. And little Bobby and Johnny go off and play no harm, no foul. And I know I doctored that up a little bit. But that was, uh, I remember it. Are you a good rememberer? Are you forgetful? Because when the Bible says, remember Jesus Christ, it's talking about more than recalling things. It means to actively participate in the reality of who he is in your life. I'll give you a couple examples. Uh, After the flood of Noah, God comes to Noah and he says, I'm going to put a rainbow in the cloud. And when I see that rainbow, I am going to remember my everlasting covenant between God and all living flesh. I will never flood the earth again like that. So today when we see a rainbow, we're to remember that promise. We're to make it real in our life and remind ourselves that God is a loving and a faithful God. He will never destroy the earth like that again. Um, June eleventh, 1978, Katie and I were married. So we're going to have a, a wedding anniversary here in a few days. But that is a past event that we actively participate in the present day. That's what the Bible means, not just to recall, but to, to, to remember Jesus Christ. So how do you do that? Well, Jim and John both did it. We rehearse the truth to ourselves. Uh, and we all need help with this. Uh, A lot of times we read things in the Bible and we think, God, I want to believe it, but Lord, please help my unbelief, because only the Holy Spirit can take these things from our head to our heart. So to remember Jesus Christ, do you remember who he is? He is the beginning and the end. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. He is the Holy One, the second Adam. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of Life. Do you remember Jesus Christ? Do you remember what Jesus said about himself? He said, I am the bread of life. I am the light that shines in darkness. (laughs) Do you remember him? He says, I am the resurrection. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the vine and I am always with you. Jesus Christ is so magnificent and glorious and awesome that the Bible has a hard time really showing us pictures of who he really is. We're going to be in eternity with him and never really know all there is to know about Jesus Christ. Do you remember him? The Bible gives us pictures of him like this. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the lamb that takes away the sins of the world. He is the Lord of hosts, the Lord of all. He is Lord of lords. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of kings. Do you remember Jesus Christ? He is awesome. He is the living, he is our rock, he is our living stone, he's the chief cornerstone upon which everything is built. He's the lily of the valley. He's the rose of Sharon. He's the bright and morning star. He's the arm of the Lord and he's the head of the church. Jesus is our reconciliation, he's our ransom, he is our sanctification, he is our prophet, priest, and king. He is our brother and friend. Do you remember Jesus Christ? Do you remember what he's done for you? He's forgiven you of all your sins. He's healed you of all your diseases. The ultimate disease being death. He's ransomed you and I from the pit. And he's crowned us with love and compassion. And even today, he's satisfying you and I. He's satisfying the desires of our heart with good things. Do you remember Jesus Christ? Do you remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead? Because it's only his resurrection that secures all the blessings that we have in him. It's his resurrection and the fact that he's alive that we have hope that's not futile. We have a faith that's not in vain. Do you know how Jesus can be your all in all today? Because he's alive. He rose from the dead. He secures our victory over death. He's forgiven us all our sins. It's because he's alive that our our hearts and our minds are cleansed from all guilt and shame. Our conscience is set free to worship Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. Jesus is... uh, He's alive, and because he is, he is here. He's closer to you and I than our next breath. And I don't know if you know this Jesus. Maybe this is the first time you've heard the creator of the universe is Jesus Christ. Yeah, he's the Word made flesh. If you do want to know him, he's made it very simple and easy for you. He said, if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he rose again from the dead, you will be saved. You have eternal life. It's that easy. You don't need to do X, Y, and Z to be saved. You don't even need to come to church to be saved. You need to look to the one I've been describing, Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. I know that if you do, all the longings in your heart, everything you desire right now, it can be met in him. Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. If you do that, would you please tell the person who brought you, or come and see Jim or John and let us know? The reason is, it says, all of heaven rejoices over one sinner that reaches out to Jesus Christ and is saved. All of heaven rejoices. And we would love to rejoice with you. You've got a different flavor. Jim, John, and John. That's why the church is so awesome. When you rehearse the truth to yourself, you get so much. But when you rehearse the, tr- the truth in community, it's much, much better. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray. <laughs> uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you. Uh, we thank you. We thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Jesus, thank you for living the perfect life for us. Uh, thank you for dying to death, and thank you for raising again to secure it all for us. Holy Spirit, please renew, restore, and help each one of us to walk in the reality of that truth today. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.